Wow. I love being with you guys. Hang out with you all the time in the presence of God. Get inebriated with Jesus and you guys. I mean, that's my whole life. That's my whole focus of my whole life. <laughs> I didn't know if you knew that was supposed to be the focus, but it is. <laughs> More drinking, less thinking. He's the only one that satisfies us, and when I drink from anything else, I'll, I'll know it because I don't get any satisfaction. That's when I pull from the things of the world and I'm trying to get satisfied. I'm drinking from things that my soul desires still at times, but it doesn't ever, it doesn't ever quench my thirst. But God created us to drink from Him being the only source that we drink from because He's the only one that satisfies. He said that if you drink from me, you'll never thirst again. Wow, that light is bright. <laughs> <laughs> I would take that as a sign and a wonder, but I have a feeling that it happened in the sound booth. <laughs> they wanted to see. Let's see. Let's see how distracted he can get. <laughs> That's good. That's good. I, I, we get used to it after a while, but it's a little shock to the corneas. So I want to I want to finish praying. For, it's Jeff, right? I want to finish praying for Jeff. So I started praying for him out there. Jesus, is, he had level eight pain in his wrist. You all know he's had a wrist injury for about four weeks. And so his pain is down to a level two. So we all help me pray for him and see the rest of his his pain leave. And so thanks, Jesus, for what you're doing in Jeff's wrist. Um, we just say more, God. Yeah, thanks for what you're doing, Holy Spirit. We thank you for completion in this, that you don't do anything partially. Yeah, we just release your presence. We just pray your presence that's here already. Just soak into that. Yeah, the rest of it. Be healed in Jesus' name. We just come together as a family and say, be healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> we thank you. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Right now, move that around, will you, Jeff, and let us know how it is. <laughs> thanks, Jesus. Come on, the rest of it. Peace. Complete healing. Yeah, thank you for complete healing, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Feeling pretty good? Yep. Is it zero? Is it gone? No. Nope. It's down there? Okay. We believe it will be gone before service. Yeah, just thanks, Jesus, one more time. We just thank you for the rest of this completely leaving. Now, in Jesus' name, rest of it, we thank you. All pain, get out in the name of Jesus. Yeah, thank you. Yep, everything in there be completely brand new. Yeah, we just thank you for it. Yeah, thanks, Jesus. Thank you for healing, Jeff. Thanks for your love, healing, Jeff. Thanks, Lord. How you doing, man? Just a little bit there? Okay, yeah. Thanks for the little bit leaving, Jesus. That's amazing. When it goes down to an eight to a little bit, we know it's leaving, Right? Only Jesus can do that that fast. That's just incredible. Yeah, because you've got functionality back in it that you didn't have before, right? You could move some range of motion. Yeah, come on. That's Jesus. That's what he does. It's with that cross right there, that crown. That's the finished work. It may seem too simple, but if it's finished, then I don't have any more work to do. And so that's kind of what I came to talk to you about today. We're going to do a school in a couple weeks, and you could call it a school of my life. Um, that This is my life. I had somebody tell me that, um, I don't know, it was probably a couple years ago. We've been going for a little over seven years at Revive the World, and a, a pastor friend of mine said, I, you guys are still preaching on identity. And I thought, yep, we'll be preaching on it the rest of my life. Because identity is, is, a, is a lifelong journey. We'll continue to discover more of who we are in Christ until we breathe our last breath on this planet and go spend eternity with Him. Um, but he's, he's very invested in, in us becoming completely whole sons and daughters. Wouldn't you say? I think He's proven that. Um, that's how we can declare that God is good because He sent Jesus for us. And nothing else matters to me. Like there's, there's things that cause questions of Him being good or not at, our, at times until we get solidified in the fact that he sent Jesus to take my place, that makes him good. I mean, that's enough for me. <laughs> that's one of those things when I drink of that revelation, it satisfies me and I don't look for other excuses for him not to be good. 
or look to him to shoulder the whatever went wrong in my life or all that stuff. So I'm going to talk to you some about the Father today and some about our identity today because they're all one. And, and essentially what I'm going to talk to you about is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's, it's intimacy, it's identity, it's the Father, Him, Jesus coming is actually made it possible for us to have every revelation that we have of who He is and who we are. It, it's, it is the gospel. He was the firstborn, right, among many brothers and sisters. He predestined us to be conformed into His image, Romans eight twenty nine. right? He planned this a long time ago. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was the Lamb that was slain. And so before this ever existed, before the galaxies, before the stars, before anything, the Father had already planned for you and I to be chosen in Him, to be holy in Him, blameless before Him, in love. Already planned for us to be sons and daughters. Right? This wasn't a second thought. You weren't like a last-minute decision. Like, no, coach wasn't putting you in because another player got hurt. Like... <laughs> Like this is like he planned before the foundation of the world. He already had this thing in his mind. If you can fathom this, this stuff can only be understood spiritually. But if you can receive this spiritually, it will transform our minds to be able to, to, to believe it all the time. It is that in the father's mind before the foundation of the world, this cross that Jesus resurrected, you know, died and resurrected was already finished. He lives outside of time. He wasn't waiting for it to happen because Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. And he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That means that before the foundation, it was already complete. He could already see you as his son, as his daughter. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> that gives me a lot of hope. <laughs> I'll tell you this, that if I get a revelation that doesn't give me hope, I question whether or not it came from the God of all hope. If I, if I contain within my theology, any part of it does not contain hope. I don't care if it's end times eschatology or not. If it does not contain hope, I believe that it doesn't come from the God of all hope. Right? And so this is, these, are, these are some of the, <clears throat> just some of the truths I want, I want to share with you today. And just kind of break this down and give you an overview to the best of my ability of what the school will be like. It'll be seven sessions of, of talking about who the Father is how he sees us, uh, who we are in him, resting versus, you know, <laughs> being held versus behaving. <laughs> these, these are truths that I've learned and I'm still learning. I, I just, I, you know, I, I sometimes feel like I know less and less all the time. You ever feel like that in the kingdom? You've been in this for, you guys have been doing this for 20 plus years and, and you, you, you know, you're talking about something, you're like, I feel like I don't know anything right now. Yeah. Because the kingdom is so vast and broad, God is so big, we're not going to figure him out. If I learn about 1% of this thing before it's all over with, this glorious gospel, I'll be real happy. Right? Because I feel like that'll be a lot. Because <laughs> God's just that big. And so this is the, I heard the young man, I was Ben, is his name, he was talking about authority. You know, and I, I heard this during... Um, during worship, I heard that you guys are getting free from religion. There's people that are getting free from religion. <clears throat> That's been my journey too. You would think that somebody that didn't grow up in the church and grew up in the streets and came into the kingdom at like 23, well, 27 really, you know, which has only been about 15 years ago, that there was no way I was going to get, uh, get religion inside, inside of me, get bound by religion. And I, I came right into it really. You know, it just depends. It's, it's taught. It's learned things. But um, you know religion's meaner than sin. I have a friend that says religion, religion is meaner than sin because religion actually nullifies the grace of God and counts it worthless. And says, you know, you, no, that grace is worth nothing. You have to still earn this thing. You need to still be working. And all of us would agree with that, that that's not like the, the grace of God got us into the kingdom, the grace of God carries us through. But somehow, some way, we get some religion in our thinking. And we try real hard to make this thing happen when he says it's a finished work. Right? You don't need to work. And so I, this, is, this is my process. I came in and was, you know, Lindsay and I have been married, which my beautiful wife's with me today, which I, uh, <clears throat> we work together now, which is amazing. I think that every marriage, you ought to work together for the first year of your marriage, right? 
Actually, I think that you, the, fir, the, you ought to be, uh, you ought to date and get engaged and work together that whole time. And that'll tell you whether or not you ought to get married. Right? <laughs> so we worked, we worked through all, all of this stuff, fortunately, um, in the first 10 years. And now, we're <laughs> now we can work together. So... Maybe God just knew we wouldn't make it, you know, he's like, there's no way y'all go work together and make it do this thing. We almost didn't make it the first few years anyway, if it wasn't for Lindsay, we, you know, and Jesus, uh, <laughs> we probably wouldn't be having this conversation, so. <laughs> but it's a, it's a beautiful process, Reli- you know, religion was in my life and it affects every single area of our lives because religion is very critical of our behavior. And then it causes us to be critical of all those around us because we're critical of ourselves. And so one of the main things I love to stir up any place that I go, and uh, I know this doesn't, I know your guys' leadership rather well, um, (laughs) well enough to be able to make lots of statements that I know are true. And one of them is that you're not getting religion from them. And so I believe that, you, you know, sometimes we just pick it up along the way or we bring it with us. It's in our upbringing. And, and during, in every season, we find out a little bit more of things that we believe that aren't true. And so whatever you're believing in this season, just focus in on what he's, he's teaching you right now. You don't have to learn that whole thing, the whole thing in, in six months, right? God's all about process. Yep. And so celebrate your progress while you're in the process. I know it's a little rhymey, but it's, it's good truth. He, he loves process. He's not worried about your, your end result. He already, remember, he finished the work. <laughs> what if he already saw you through the finished work? And in his mind, <laughs> you're already whole and holy. Wow, what would it be to believe that? <laughs> Okay. <laughs> yeah, my my feelings don't care about my future. I'll tell you that. And my feelings are are a good indicator of what I believe, but they're a terrible master. And so I'll tell you this: that everything that I talk about will be beliefs focused, because there's two two focuses I believe we can have in the kingdom. I know they're not the only two, but two of the main focuses are beliefs focused or behavior focused. Which am I focused more on? This is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying be oblivious of your behavior. If you have bad behavior, it's just an indicator that you don't know who you are. Fix it. Right? But if I only ever focus on behavior, it's just it's I'm listening to the voice of religion. And it's gonna it's gonna push me further into religion and I'll just try harder. I'm just gonna try harder to do better. Right? And become very sin conscious. If you're very sin conscious, you're focused in on sin, which means you're focused in on your behavior. And if that's the only place you're focused, you're, you're, living in, you're living in a constant state of bondage still, though you are free in Christ. It's, it's horrible. Have you ever lived in that where you're just trying harder all the time to be a Christian? And you're like, man, I just I can't do this thing. You're like, man, I just keep trying and I keep failing. That's because you weren't made to do it in your own strength. <laughs> And our beliefs have to change for our behavior to change. I've done a terrible thing with my son when he was younger is that I focused a lot on his behavior. And I didn't, I didn't know some of this stuff, right? And when we only focus on behavior, we're just going to cause our kids to try harder. And we make them performance driven. Yeah? Right? When I actually know, I recognize behavior and point you back towards your identity... It will give you revelation of who you are and it transforms your mind. Because it's just, uh, this would be my first question. You know, the young man was talking about authority. Uh, Literally, it's an identity issue. If I think that I have a sin issue, I don't. I have an identity issue. (laughs) If I want to walk in more healing, I'm not seeing more healing. It's an identity issue. If I want to be more prophetic in a healthy way, it's an identity issue. Right. I should be pointing towards identity. I shouldn't be going after gifts. I should be going after identity. It says pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Right. 
I know it says, but especially that you may prophesy, but I've walked through the bad and the ugly of prophesying out of performance. And you, it's, just a, it's just a terrible road trip you don't want to take. <laughs> did, you, did you ever have to try hard to sin when you were living in the world? Was there, was there a lot of effort that was put forth into that? Came really natural, didn't it? Because you were born into, I was born into sin. It was my nature. Nature means natural. It was second nature. So now that you and I are born again believers, born of incorruptible seed into divine nature. I don't know about you, like I, I don't have, you know, a doctorate and divinity or anything like that. I don't have an MDiv, but I will tell you that I, I am pretty confident that incorruptible and divine <laughs> mean that I've, I've been born into something really good. Huh? <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't even need to look that up to know that I won the lottery on this one. And that it's totally opposite of what I used to walk in. So the Christian, I'm going to make a statement that I, I, I know that it's a lot to digest in a moment. And this is the favor I'd ask you, is that when I'm talking about this stuff, is that I know that when you hear something that challenges your theology or offends your mind, we are wired to want to shut down whoever's talking at that moment. And I'm no longer listening. I would ask you to do me a favor and continue to listen if you run into something like that. Because a lot of times, God will offend our minds to get to our hearts. I love it when He does that to me. I, I know when something offends my mind that it feels like truth in here, I'm like, mm, that's Jesus. I need to deal with whatever lie I'm believing. <clears throat> and so, so this statement is that you, you and I were meant to live the Christian life naturally, and, and it would be second nature for us to actually do everything that the Bible says we can with no effort. I didn't say no intentionality. I said no effort, no human effort. Is that it's just I get up in the morning and I don't have to pray myself into a, a spiritual whatever, you know. I don't have to do my spiritual gymnastics to feel holy. And <laughs> Okay, I'm the only one, right, that's done that. <laughs> you know, you, you went to bed a son or daughter, you woke up a son or daughter. Like it didn't go away while you were sleeping. I used to think that. I used to think, I, oh, hold on, I better get... Oh. <laughs> Hear what I'm saying now, jump out of bed and have to run to the prayer closet because I, I just want to make sure I was still saved and make sure I was still spiritual and, and pray myself into something that I didn't know was actually a part of my DNA because my mind didn't believe that. Now, this is what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you shouldn't hit your knees when, when your feet, feet hit the floor. I'm not saying you shouldn't get in worship immediately. I, I'm just saying that it doesn't make you more spiritual to do those things. It keeps you in intimacy. Yeah. Intimacy is the goal to all things kingdom. If I come through any other path but intimacy, I've come through a, a, wrong, a wrong door. Right? It's, it's, the wrong, it's the wrong way to get to all things kingdom. And so this, this Christian life was meant to, to be lived in, in a natural, your, your new natural state of being, my new natural state of being is a son. Yours is a son or daughter. That's, it's who you are. It's where, uh, it's where all problems are solved when we know who we are. The world, this, I make this statement often, I, I tell people, I said, the whole world got saved today, it wouldn't change the world. Not, not right away. You know, because you just have a bunch of Christians that don't know who they are. And Christians that don't know who they are act just like the world. You can't tell the difference. I used to, right? I was still angry. I'd still throw down at the drop of a hat. Like I was still super competitive, super critical, super proud. Right? I still dealt with all kinds of nastiness. Right? And, and I found myself constantly at the altar, what I called repenting, which was just crying to God, saying, oh, I was sorry, and getting up not changed. Do you think that's His goal for us? 
I mean, that would be such a cruel, cruel trick if that's what he made the Christian life to be. <laughs> My gosh. It would be like, the, you know, Psalms 2-4, God sits in heaven and laughs at the children of God because they can't do any better than what they're doing right now. <laughs> Y'all know that scripture doesn't say that, right? <laughs> it says he laughs at the planes of the enemy. And he's laughing at the planes of the enemy for your life. But I'm telling you, all, all principalities and power are bound when you actually know who you are. They're not bound through your words. The young man was talking about authority. I walk in authority when I know who I am. Authority is not a feeling or I can read a book on it and it's not going to help me if I don't actually know who I am. Yeah. Read books about it, right? Have people lay hands on you. They you know, walk in a lot of authority. But true authority comes from intimacy, which comes into identity. That's how. When we're, when we're actually, when we allow Jesus to be Lord of our lives. You remember the man that recognized the authority that, the centurion had the servant that needed to be healed, and he recognized the authority that Jesus was under. That's where everything in the kingdom starts. This is, this is the gateway. I'm going to start talking to you about the Father in just a second, but I'll tell you that this is the gateway to all things kingdom because I've ran into this oftentimes, and I've, I've watched it over the last handful of years, and I've even been guilty of, of, of actually encouraging people in it too, is saying that you just... If you'll just give, if right now, if you'll say this prayer, you're coming to the kingdom, you're going to have the best father ever, right? And stop at that. Or I've heard guys, I, I didn't do this, fortunately, but I've heard guys, you know, say, hey, we'll just accept Jesus. You're going to get the best friend you ever had, right? And totally miss that we confess, right? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. So if I don't actually articulate that to somebody, if I don't first show them that lordship is our way into the kingdom, when I make you lord of my life, that means that I totally surrender my life to you. And then I can get a pure, clear revelation of who he is as father and friend. It start, there's an order of things in the kingdom, but it starts with lordship. <laughs> and I found out even in, in this season when I had some health problems that you guys have been praying for me, that I've, I've had a, a little bit of pain over the last two weeks, but I've been, I mean, healed, really. And so I'm real grateful for your prayers, but I found out that he wasn't Lord over every area of my life. There has to be lordship for him to for be able to see him clearly as father, because when I've, I've made him Lord, that means that I have, I have actually laid my life down at his feet, and I have exalted him above every area of my life and say, I trust you with everything. And until then... Me just knowing him as father doesn't benefit me like it's supposed to. Does this make sense to you? It's the gateway to all things kingdom. It doesn't say that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is father. <laughs> it doesn't say that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that, Je that Jesus is your bestie. It says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess in heaven on earth and under the earth, even the demons will confess that Jesus is Lord. He's the Lord of everything. <laughs> so he definitely ought to be Lord of my life. Right? It's to empower me. Because a lot of times in church, I've run into this often, is when we talk about submission or, or lordship, is that we hear control. But actually, that's, that comes from religion. Because religion wants to control you. Jesus has no interest in controlling your life. But he has a lot of interest in empowering you. And me allowing him to be Lord actually empowers me in everything that I was always created to be. Did you know that Jesus, Jesus didn't die because you were a sinner? I'm going to let that settle in. Did you know Jesus didn't die because we're sinners or because we were sinners? He died because we were never created to be sinners. Selah. <laughs> Jesus died because we were never created to be sinners. Remember what I said at the beginning? Lamb same over the foundation of the world. Adam, Eve, messed up, right? And then that made sin come into the world. So it wasn't God's plan, it was man's choice. So he sent Jesus, right? The second Adam, 
to come so that we could be. Colossians 1.20 say it, it literally means this. When it talks about he brings all through the blood of his cross. All there in that Colossians 11 through 2, 11, chapter 2, verse 11 through 15. It talks about he brings everything back to himself through the blood of his cross. Restores everything back to him. It means restored back to innocence again. Restored back to your original intent, which was not sinner. It was child. It was son. It was daughter. <laughs> I know. I know. I know something like that. If you if you not got a hold of it, it offends your mind. But it feels real good right in here, doesn't it? This is where my. This is my. Uh, my truth gauge. <laughs> I'm like, we have a friend, Sarah, that's going to lead worship at the, at the school, and some of you have benefited from, she's our worship pastor, one of our pastors, and she says this statement is that um, my, uh, my heart was being, God was drawing me towards the goodness of God in my heart uh, when my mind couldn't comprehend it. So in here, he's pulling me towards it because this is where truth registers first. If truth registers here first, it's just going to offend me. Because that doesn't make any logical sense. You say, well, I've been a sinner my whole life. It was natural for me to sin. It's because you were born into it. But then he said, you've got to be born again. A new birth. Nicodemus said, how can that even happen? And Jesus' reply was, how can you be a religious leader and not even, know, cannot even understand this? <laughs> I loved his response, right? Love Jesus' response. So we get born again. He's a good father. What good father would literally have a plan for his kids to live in, in bondage? And then I will, send, I will send you a savior so that you can love me so much. I will come in and save your day so that you will look to me. He never intended for us to be sinners in the first place. It would be like you and I saying, I, I hope my kids go off the rails and just get crazy in drugs, right? And live the party scene. Like maybe even it'll happen in college while, while I'm paying their tuition. Wouldn't that be great? And then at the end of it, they'll see how much they need Jesus. Like that doesn't sound even logical, let alone spiritual, right? So he never intended for us to, to, to live in sin. For God so loved the world that He gave. He gave Jesus because He loves us. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this one thing. Listen to this song that says this. Focus on this one truth. That God is madly in love with you. <laughs> he never wanted you to suffer. He never wanted you to live in sin. Because sin and suffering right there, they're next door neighbors, Right? They live in the same house. <laughs> it's, a, it's a condo, right? It's, it's <laughs> and so, is this okay? I'm, I'm telling you that this is, this is, in these truths is the freedom from religion. And in this truth is the freedom to everything that he already sees you as. He already sees you as completely free. The only place, let me say it like this. The only thing, our greatest enemy is not the, is not the devil. It's my mind. <laughs> he disarmed principalities and powers at the cross. <laughs> like, I'm not saying the enemy's not trying really hard to disrupt things. Right? But he does not. He, he doesn't want anything to do with people who know who they are as sons and daughters. Because he has power, but he doesn't have any authority. I mean, he has no right to trespass in our lives or in our cities or in our states or even in our nation. Sometimes we're waiting for government to change things. Actually, the, you know what? We need to be the ones that wake up to who we are. And then our nation will change. Change doesn't, is not going to come from that place in the, in the White House. Not, that's not true and lasting change. Those are laws, and, and those are, I know they're important. 
Don't hear me saying that it's not important. I, it's important. It is. But true change, true demonstration, true authority is, is going to come through the church to change our nation. And it's happening. That's why this identity message is being preached so frequently. Because my friend David was, is with Dan Moeller uh, this past week in, in preaching a city quake. And he says, man, you hear that guy preach and you wonder if you're saved. And he just talks about truth. It's just the Bible, right? It's, it's identity. And, that, and that's how Dan got to where he's at. It's, it's the identity message. It's truth from the Word of God that, that opposes all things religion. And so this is the truth that we are waking up to. This, this is your inheritance. Your inheritance is your identity. You're, it's <laughs> I know we like anointing and mantles and all that stuff and impartation. Yeah, that's all great, right? But none of it will do me any good if I don't know who I am. I'm just going to be another echo of somebody else. And you weren't created to be an echo, right? You're a voice, not an echo. You're unique for a purpose. And it's because it's inside of your DNA that you are the only one with the voice print you have because the Father created you that way to bring change to the world around you through His love. And this is the gateway. You've got some of you, you younger people and some of us older people are passionate about changing the world around us, right? This is it. I got prophetic people in my church right now that are, you know, just growing up in the prophetic and all that stuff. And, and it would be, it would makes sense to point you towards learning more about the prophetic. I'll tell you what makes kingdom sense is to point you more towards learning who you are. Because then your gift won't become your identity. <laughs> the, the world doesn't need another prophetic word. It actually needs to see sons and daughters live in the fullness of who they were always created to be. <laughs> There's lots of prophetic words being given. But they actually won't come to fruition until we rise up in everything that we already have inside of us. Can I tell you that it's already in there? And can I tell you that when I said your biggest enemy is your mind, it, it, when, when God, he knew that, right? He, he knew that like, he's, he's well aware of what we would go through. And he gave us keys. He's, remember, he's not laughing in heaven because we're stumbling around trying to figure this thing out. He's, he's riddled the word of God Sprinkled the Word of God with truth that are keys for us to be able to step into everything He already sees us as. Do you know you're not waiting to be holy? You already are. You're holy. You say, well, I don't feel holy. I don't act holy. Well, you know what? Your behavior and your feelings are not what define you. He is. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit lives inside of you? Like, how much more holy could you get in there? <laughs> it is literally the holy of holies. Where when a priest, if he went in and he had sin in his life, you know what they had to do? They had to drag him out because it killed him. So what else do you think died inside of there when the Holy Spirit came in? Sin. <laughs> You guys okay? Yeah. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm just trying to stay here and not float through the ceiling or something. I feel pretty jacked up. So, <laughs> for, for 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 me to get to believe this truth, there's there's one very important scripture that I must learn and, and meditate on. And it, and it leads the way in, in everything that I'm, I'm talking about. There's a key. Because if I, and, and Romans 12, 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Do not be conformed to the world. So he said, don't act like the world. It, look, I want you to focus. If you don't already, some, maybe all of you already hear this when you read the Bible. When God says, don't do something, He's not instituting another law. He's actually pointing you away from everything you were never made to be. 
He's saying, don't be conformed to this world because that's not part of your new nature. That's not who you are. Right? That's to become unnatural to you. But be transformed by, and then he tells us. Isn't that great? (laughs) That's wonderful. I have a wife that will actually tell me and not make me guess what's going on in her world. It's amazing. There's not supposed to be a guessing game or manipulation or I'll hold this and you got to figure it out. Or I'm sorry, I'm going to back off that one. I felt, I felt like, I, felt like a, I should have let somebody else touch on that. There's a marriage ministry in here somewhere, right? <laughs> I will direct you to Pastor Eric and Karen. <laughs> but, but the Father's not, he, he hides things for us, not from us. And he tells us, if you want to be transformed, renew your mind with truth. What, what Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Who's truth? Jesus is the truth. Truth is a person. I love what Bill Johnson says. He says, don't tell me you love Jesus and don't love the word. Jesus is the word. <laughs> Jesus is truth, Right? And so truth is, is, is not just reading the Bible, it's actually knowing Him. And this, again, the gateway is intimacy. And when I begin to know Jesus, when I begin to look at the life of Jesus, I begin to see a clear picture of who the Father is. Because this intimacy thing, I will never get close to somebody that I don't trust. I can have the right language. I can even have the right belief system. I can hear all the right messages and read all the right books and do all those things. But if I do not trust the Father, I will not get close to Him. I will remain saved, but distant. And our main place to live from is, is against the Father's heart. I teach it on it in the prophetic. Is that at the Last Supper, Jesus in John chapter 13 John is resting against his chest, right? That's our born-again position. But I will not... <laughs> this is a 16, 17, 18-year-old young man. Like, here, I got some young men in here that are 16, 17, 18. Like, this is a guy that you spent three years with that you don't know... Well, and you're going to hang out with your head against his chest around all your buddies? <laughs> don't try and act spiritual now. I know y'all ain't doing that. <laughs> yes, if it was Jesus, I would do it. <laughs> they, for the most part, weren't entirely sure he was the Messiah. You know, there were some that had revelation on it, but they're still walking this thing out, right? They were in process. Like, so John, John fully trusted Jesus. And that is the place of intimacy where I fully trust. And I know that all of us have got things that stand in the way of trust. And so I need to be, be able to have a key that will actually solidify the fact that I can trust the Father. I need to be able to see it. Isn't it great that He gave us a key that will help us to be able to see who He is? Because when I came into this thing, I thought, how am I going to trust a God I can't see? And then the Holy Spirit took me to the Gospels. And I began to read over them and over them and over them, and I didn't know why. And then I found the scriptures like in uh, Colossians 1.15. It says, Jesus, He is the visible image of the invisible God. He is the very, he is the very character of who the Father is. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. It says that He is the express image or the very stamped out copy of who God is. Right? In John 14, Philip says, if you'll show us the Father, it'll be sufficient for us. And Jesus said, how have I been with you so long, and yet you don't know me, Philip? If you've seen me, you've actually seen the Father. Isn't that great? I love that. Because that's practical to me. I can look at the person of Jesus and see who the Father is. John chapter 1, verse 18, the Gospel of John. It says that Jesus came and actually declared who the Father is to us. His life was a declaration of this is who I am. Right? This is who I've always wanted to be to you, but the law and sin stood in the way. And now I'm getting them out of the way so that you can come and run to me and that you can remain in intimacy with me so that you can be everything that I always dreamed you would be. That's who He is. He sent His Son to take our place. He got everything that I deserved. 
He took, he literally took my place. And many times I've stood in worship services and some of the songs we, we sang today remind me that I feel like often I feel like the chief of sinners, like Paul said he was. I, 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 I'm reminded that I didn't do anything to, to gain access into the kingdom. It was literally grace that got me here. And it's grace that will carry me home. Right? And I don't focus on, even though I remember what God's done for me, I don't focus on the fact that I, I, I wasn't deserving. I focus on the fact that He made me worthy. And that's the final word. Some say that that's semantics, and it's absolutely not. We are not deserving because Jesus, Jesus took what we deserved. And He gave us what He says we're worth. He gave us what He deserved, and He said, this is what you're worth. I love you this much. You can take my place. I'll be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Just know that you're predestined to be conformed into my image. Into which image? Pre-cross or post-cross? What do you think? <laughs> I'll just let you think about that and won't talk about it anymore. How about that? So, how I see the Father clearly. I'm going to wrap this up. and I, I want to I talk to you about just a, a couple more things. How I see the Father directly affects how I see me in His eyes. And, and, and the more I see him clearly, the more I trust him, the more I see him clearly, and the more I see him clearly, the more I see me clearly. Because seeing me clearly directly affects my identity and directly affects how I display him to you. Because I will not show you a better God than I think he is. <laughs> I will not show you a better God than I believe he is. Right? We tell people... In, <laughs> We always say God's in a good mood. You know, he's, he is. He, you know, the finished work. And I'm not saying he's happy about everything that's going down in the world. He couldn't possibly be. Right? But he, he, already, sent the, he already sent the answer. <laughs> and I thought, wow, if I'm going to demonstrate the Father, then I ought to probably get a hold of some joy. <laughs> and if you got joy in your heart, you might have heard me say this before. I... The world needs to see it on your face. <laughs> joy, joy, joy down in my heart. Please don't keep it there. <laughs> Let it spread all throughout your body and right here in your face. It's good news. It ought to make me happy. <laughs> it's good. It's good news, right? But when I can't see the Father clearly, it makes it, it makes it hard for me to believe some of those truths. And I understand that. So wherever you're at in the process, there is no, there's no condemnation, right? Uh, there's no condemnation, no shame, regardless of where you're at or how you see him right now. I just declare that's not coming on you because that's not the thing that Jesus works with. He does work with conviction. But conviction is not a dirty word. It's actually a beautiful thing. Yeah, I call it sweet conviction. Because when he convicts me, this is what he's doing. He's holding his hand out and he's saying, I, I've got some more for you, son. Come on. I love it when he convicts me. Because when he convicts me, he pulls me closer. But when I don't see him clearly, I don't think that. Because if you've ever had a parent in your life that punished you and pushed you away because they were afraid of your behavior, that's not a demonstration of the father. And we're all flawed as parents and we do the best we can. And I did that to my son. I told you that. But that's not what the Father does when He corrects us. When He corrects us, He pulls us in closer to Him. Because that's what love does. And that's who He is. And so I need to look at the Gospels to see a clear picture of who the Father is. I need to see the person. I need, as I'm looking at the person of Jesus, I need to be able to see this is actually how the Father responds. This is how the Father acts. This is how the Father will treat me. This is who He is. This is the declaration of the Father to me. He, he loves me. He's madly in love with me, right? In every moment, my worst moments, my darkest moments, he's been there. When I didn't feel him present, when I didn't know him, he was still there. And many of us can see the fingerprints of God all over our lives, pre-Jesus. And you're like, save me there. Could have died there. Rescued me there, right? That could have been way worse, right? 
It was, it was bad. I almost died, but I'm still present, right? I had to take a little time out, but it was good for me. Adult time out. <laughs> Never mind. We don't want to go. <laughs> All right. So. Trying to see I got how much time I got left to work with. I don't want to preach you to death. So you guys good for a few more minutes? Most of you wouldn't say no if you if you weren't, but I I really I really appreciate you being nice. <laughs> now I I know that sometimes you can only you can only get taken so much, right? So I understand that. And I've been going for for about long enough. And so I I would want to push in on this one point a little bit more. Because I've given you an overview of, of my life and, and not just what the school is about, but what you're, what, this is the gospel. This is it. So there's scientists that know or that believe from their studies that a caterpillar contains within it um, different organs. They're separate from the caterpillars and they're actually the butterfly's organs. Have you ever studied any of that stuff? Metamorphosis? It's the same word they use in Romans chapter 12, verse 2 for transformation. Metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. It's the transformation process. And the caterpillar to the butterfly is something that just caught my attention because I, I recognized as I was reading about it that everything of the caterpillar actually dissolves when the, when the butterfly comes to life. It, it's literally like it's a... It's, born again it's like it's a rebirth for the butterfly it's brand new life and and everything of the all the organs everything from the caterpillar completely dissolved like it never existed so it's like it's not a part of the butterfly anymore except for the memory of being a caterpillar the only thing that came into the kingdom with us was the memory of who we used to be Everything else has been, that's how the Bible can say in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. Old things have passed away. It didn't say part of them, a little bit of them, 90% of them. It literally says old things pass away, all things become new. This right here has to be transformed with truth of the Word of God. Lies have to be destroyed, triumphed with truth, so that I can actually believe that. The only thing that is stopping me from living more fully in who I am as a son is is belief, not effort. (laughs) It's the hard work of rest. I rest... In what he already finished. And then I don't try harder. I believe better. If you want to be transformed, you renew your mind. That's the intentionality. That's not work. That's doing something on purpose on a daily basis that is actually going to help me aid in my process of becoming everything that Jesus sees me as already. I call it self-care. This is what I do. Daily basis, I work on myself for X amount of time. It's one of the most important things in my day, right next to, and I do it in intimacy with the Father, so it's not separate. It's like I spend time in worship with Him. This is practical for you. I spend time in worship with Him, and I actually don't, I don't listen to worship that has words to it anymore. You know why? Because I don't want Jen Johnson yelling at me when I'm in an intimate moment with Jesus. I, I love her. I love her voice. I don't want Jeremy Riddle or pick your favorite worship leader. I don't want them yelling at me in a moment where it's, it's holy with the Lord, right? Or, or you ever get, you get caught up in singing and then your prayers are dictated by the song that's playing, right? And then your soul's leading you. And sometimes he wants us to shut that down. I listen to instrumental music now. It's been one of the best things I've ever done. And actually I can sing my own song to him. I can be with him in the stillness and the quiet. I don't need somebody else to 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 worship me into it. 
right? That's what, that's what I, I spend time with him. I know to, to me, like I love music, like love it, like almost all genres of music, love it. And so for me to, to strip all that away and listen to instrumental was, was a little painful at first. I'm just being honest. But it's what I felt like Jesus was saying. I challenge you to ask if that's what he's saying for you in this, in this season. He wants to hear your song. Or sometimes just in the stillness and the quietness, you know, we're, we're actually hearing him, not dictated by somebody else's revelation. I'm getting my own revelation. And so I spend time with him. I worship him. And in my worship, I exalt him above all situations and problems in my life, no matter what's going on. Finances, family, ministry. I lay everything at his feet, gifting, anointing, all that stuff here at your feet, Jesus. It means nothing without you. I just right here. I just put it right down here, right here. And you know what I put down there with it? Me. I, put, I get down at my, my mind, my soul, my body. I put it all down at your feet and I exalt you above it all. And I'm just here to worship you because you're worthy of my worship. There's no other reason. I'm not trying to get a breakthrough. I'm not trying to get a blessing. I'm not trying to get an answer to prayer. I'm just worshiping you. And you know what happens when I've went in with that attitude of worshiping Jesus like that with no other agenda, just intimacy. Uh, a lot of my prayers, I don't even pray because I realize that I don't need to. <laughs> he already wants to do it more than I want him to. I'm not telling you don't intercede. I'm telling you don't do it from a place of striving. And so I do that. That's, just, that's my that's my self-care. Spending time with him. Because whoever I spend the most time with, I'm going to be the most like. And then in that, I start to make declarations. And I've got about a hundred and some odd declarations that I make of truth that God has challenged me with and I'm getting ingrained into my mind. And I'll stop in those declarations and I will meditate on those truths. For a long time, I was, I was meditating on the fact that I'm no, I'm no longer a sinner. Right? You are not a sinner. Colossians chapter 2, verse 11 through 15, it says that your sin nature actually was, was cut away in Christ. And the only reason that you, sin, that you would sin before is because it wasn't yet cut away. <laughs> Read it. It's in there. I promise. <laughs> Romans 6, like all that stuff. It's, 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 in, it's in the Word. So I meditate on and make declarations of truth. And I'm, I'm focused on there's th- thoughts that come into my mind at times, that don't bring me hope about my identity, about my situation, and I pay attention to that. And if I have a thought that comes into my mind that doesn't have hope attached to it, and I feel that, you know what hopelessness feels like, right? That means that that is a lie that came into your mind. Isn't that great? It's so simple. And I take that thing captive, and I thank God. You know, taking a thought captive isn't just actually saying it in your mind. Taking the thought captive is actually actively pursuing Jesus in the word and finding truth that counteracts uh, or trumps that lie that came into my mind. And then when that thing tries to come in again, I say, I thank you, Jesus, that I'm holy, that I'm blameless before you in love. I thank you that I'm righteous because you made me that way. I thank you that when I got baptized into Christ, I put on Christ. And that's what you see right now. I'm completely righteous in him. That's how he sees you. He sees you as completely righteous and holy. I'm so sorry. I'm just sharing the Bible with you. (laughs) It, It is. And I know, I know, I know the process. And I went through it for years of believing that that can't possibly be true because of my behavior. And again, my behavior does not define me. He does. And when I focus on my beliefs, my behavior changes. My behavior will never change if my thought process does not. It starts with this. We tell drug addicts this, right? Drug addicts and thieves and people who live crazy lifestyle. It's not just for, for, for those of us that used to be like that. It's for everyone. It's literally, when I change the way I think, I will change my choices. And I realize that I am a powerful child of God, and I will actually, all my behavior will follow that. Until it becomes my natural state of being. being. And I wake up in the morning, and and I know that I'm a son. And I don't have to work myself into some spiritual lather to try to do something for the day, or act holy, or love you. 
because I'm resting in his finished work because that truth is transforming my mind and it's bringing me back into everything that he always has seen me as. Before the foundation of the world, he's so good that he chose us in him. I'll close with this. And that he sees you the way that he saw you then. And now, you and I have a responsibility to do something with the truth of the word of God. And it's not complicated. It is not. If I would have got this as a teenager, my gosh, the whole world would not have been, and the world's not safe now, but my gosh, I'd have had, you know, what, 20-some years of, of just everybody having a target for love on their back. <laughs> you, it's just, you know, when you get a hold of this thing, you just, the, the devil is terrified of you knowing this truth. I think he's far more terrified of you knowing who you are than you being able to prophesy or heal the sick. It's just a thought. Because I was prophesying and healing the sick and I didn't know who I was. And I didn't love not one person that I prophesied to or, or saw healed. Didn't care one bit. All I cared about was the testimony. Can't wait to tell my friends. Felt loved when I did it because I was performing for his love. And I, didn't re- I thought I was getting graded every day. I thought, man, I wonder what my report card was today with Jesus. And then he finally showed me. He said, hey, look, report card's already in. A plus, 100% for all your life. You don't have to check back. There'll be no midterm or final exam. I already took it for you. <laughs> Isn't that good? I mean, that's the truth of the word. So some people say, well, this will, this is, you got to be careful when you teach this because then people will be, they'll get off and just believe they can do whatever they want because they're already righteous and holy. If they do whatever they want that involves sin, they don't know they're righteous and holy. (laughs) They don't, it's an identity issue. If they want to use that as a license to sin, they're going to find something to to sin anyway because that's what they want to do. And, I, and in that, in relationship with them, in, in discipleship with them, I will confront their behavior. But I will lean 75% or 80%, I will lean in on who they are. Because that's what God does. He, spoke, he speaks to our identity and oftentimes does not speak to our behavior. Because He knows when He speaks to our identity, our behavior will change. Stand with me, if you will. This truth if it's not already transforming my if it's already transforming your mind this is what i believe i believe that that grace is here today to destroy any remainder of religion that you have maybe nobody does maybe it's just somebody watching but there i believe there's an expedite there's a grace for expedited process in this because sometimes we even use process as an excuse. Like, I'm just in process. How long can you stay in process before you're actually stuck and the word process can no longer be used? Because process means that I'm moving. I'm moving forward. Right? So I'm not saying that God's bypassing process, but I have found a couple times in my life that he has expedited the process for me. Supernatural. He's like, I don't have time to teach you this. I'm just going to download it in you. You won't even know. You'll know that you can only point to me. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I needed, I, I felt like I, you know, got off the finish or starting line really late anyway. He's like, let me help you. <laughs> thank you <laughs> I'm more of a sprinter anyway I'm much of a long distance runner so regardless of where you're at today this I gave you practical but I believe right now there's, there's freedom from religion if you've been performing for love I believe now's an opportunity to rest in truth rest in this finished work if you've been focused on your behavior I believe right now is, is an opportunity to shift and choose to focus on your beliefs and it will actually change your behavior. 
And I believe that even the mind of Christ is going to be activated as we pray in new ways in each one of you. Because this is what your city needs. Needs to see him through your life as a son or daughter. You guys are already doing a great job. Can you imagine when we all walk in the fullness of this thing? My gosh. That's, that's the stuff when you walk into a cafe or walk onto a city block and the whole atmosphere changes, shifts, things get broken off people and they just start falling down and giving their life to Jesus. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's no limit to what, to what can happen. And so, Holy Spirit, we invite you to come right now. We thank you for being the spirit of truth and the spirit of revelation. And we thank you for being the spirit of adoption. That you are in every single believer that's here. And that you are crying out, Abba, Father. That there's an intimate connection that's already been made with every single person and the Father. That there's nothing blocking, nothing standing in the way. That each person is completely free completely free in Christ. And I thank you for the fullness of that freedom, freedom coming from any type of religion, any type of religious baggage, from upbringing or just bringing this stuff into the kingdom. Yeah, we sung about chains breaking. I thank you for the chains of religion breaking. I thank you for the cruelty of religion breaking in Jesus' name. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the voice of the spirit of religion being completely silenced right now in the name of Jesus. And I thank you, spirit of truth, for coming and interjecting truth about identity and who the Father is into every person. I thank you that the heart cry of this house is already intimacy. It's what they live for. And so I thank you, Father, for every single person pressing in even more intentionally on a daily basis to intimacy with you. It's what we were designed for. And so I thank you for helping us to make room in our schedules to get away with you, to be with you in the silence, even if it's only for a few moments here and a few moments there. Just focusing in on you. And I thank you that truth, even right now, I feel like there's truths that you guys have got a hold of that you were already meditating on at some level and that they're actually wearing new neural pathways in your mind. And I, I even saw road close signs on, on old neural pathways uh, that lies won't be able to travel on those anymore. That it's even when that lie tries to come into your mind, that it's going to feel uh, foreign, that it's going to feel like I talked about unnatural to you when that lie comes in, that hopelessness comes in. And so thank you, Father, for what you're doing right now, that you are moving us more into divine design of what you always planned for us to be. I thank you for the incorruptible seed that's changed even the molecular structure and DNA of who we are as sons and daughters, that we are holy and blameless before you in love because of everything that you did, that grace got us this. I thank you that we would be constantly reminded that grace is empowering us to do, to be everything that you already see us as. I thank you for the do, uh, do better, try harder mentality being broken. Yeah. <laughs> I thank you for us being able to rest in the truth of the finished work at the cross. And I thank you for clarity, Father, on who you are as a good dad, as love, that you're a safe place. And I sense this, that after today, that some of you are actually going to be able to rest your head against his chest the way that John was. That he's going to feel safer than he ever has before. He's going to feel safer than he, than he ever has before. And that lies of, he did that and it was a bad thing or being broken. He caused that or he even let that happen. Those lies, are, I feel like they're being broken now. And the safety and security of being able to rest in his arms is what you were made for. And I see it happening. Thank you. Father, we thank you that you've made us for this. We thank you. I thank you for a room full of people that are hungry for you and for the word. 
hungry for truth. I thank you for intimacy being not only their heart cry, but their lifestyle. And I thank you for the freedom that I sense that's even happening now at new levels. And I thank you for how it's not only going to affect the families in this room, but also this city. I thank you for change coming in the next 365 days in a major way to the city of Newcastle. I thank you for bondage being broken. I thank you for, for drug addicts waking up to the fact that that's not who they were made to be. I thank you for suicide being at an all-time low until it's completely wiped out. I thank you for marriages being restored and divorce becoming something that's not a common word. Thank you for healthy family that's being demonstrated in houses like this in this city being what people look to to see what family really looks like, not what somebody's made a law it can look like. Thank you, Father, for demonstration of a healthy family coming out of this kingdom family. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thanks, Jesus. Thanks, Lord. Love you guys. Thank you so much for your time today. I'm so grateful.